0: Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Harris Cherokee Resort. Find us online at Caesars.com slash Harris dash Cherokee. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host Brandon Adams. There is no doubt that the average Georgia fan knows more about his favorite team than the average media member outside the bubble of Dog Nation, you know, covering that team. If you live in you know some other state, you're looking in on Georgia, you kind of only know what you can see from kind of the ten thousand foot view. Whereas the average Georgia fan is just much closer to the program than that. Maybe an example of how true that is here for a moment. Y'all know I love preseason magazines. Also, I think most of you are aware this is a vacation week show for me. A lot of this pre-recorded prior. To the day that it's airing. And that means I'm kind of leaning on some of the preseason magazines that I've been devouring as a way of. setting us up up for conversations here this week. I think some of that can be really fun because the Vacation Week shows gives you time to kind of expand on topics that you might not have time to cover during a normal show when it's recorded the day of where the news kind of happens really fast. I think this week's been an example of that. I I saw something really interesting from Lindy's Preseason Magazine. I've been a Lindy's reader for a long time, and I like it when the magazines rank the position groups. Here are the top 10 offensive lines, running back groups, quarterbacks, defensive line, whatever else. I I just like position group rankings, both to see where Georgia shows up on these lists. And thankfully, as a Georgia fan, it's nice to see Georgia showing up pretty high on most of them. But it's also a chance to kind of learn something you might not know about somebody else's team there as well. However, when you see where Lindy's has the Georgia defensive line, I think you might be left to assume, well, Maybe Lindy's doesn't quite appreciate how good this group is, and to the extent that a national magazine, which shows up on the desks and the and the you know the living rooms of other writers, maybe this could influence a bunch of other media types there as well. And maybe there could be kind of a collective underappreciation for the Georgia defensive line. I think the average Georgia fan knows this is probably Georgia's, if not top strength, among the top strengths on this team this year but maybe maybe media type doesn't quite fully know that or appreciate that as well as they possibly could. Let me show you where Lindy's ranks the Georgia defensive line here for this upcoming season. Most of the usual suspects you see at the uh, very top there. Clemson, obviously the week one opponent. They show up at number one. They've been great with their defensive line for a long time. Bama's at two. No real surprise there. Ohio State, commonly among the best defensive lines in the country. They show up at number three maybe a little bit of a surprise to see Oklahoma at four, but the fact of the matter is the Sooners did play better defense last year under Alex Grinch. They got after the quarterback last year in a pretty good way. So, you know, maybe not a surprise to see them ranked near the top. But the idea, if you're watching a video, you see this Oklahoma at four with Georgia only at five. I think most Georgia fans, and I believe rightly so, would scoff at the notion that Georgia's defensive line is less than Oklahoma's for the upcoming season. Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State, uh, you know we'll, we'll make that comparison. We'll see how it plays out. But Georgia as a defensive line ranked below Oklahoma, most Georgia fans would say, mm, I'm not quite so sure that's true. Now, let me also give you this. This is totally for free and an aside in comparison to the regular topic did you see who those five teams were Oklahoma, Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson, four teams that will show up as much as anybody will in college football playoff predictions. In fact, those may be the four teams other than Georgia most commonly mentioned as a college football playoff team for this upcoming year. So I take that as a pretty strong data point that, wow, having a really good defensive line matters. The five teams I just showed you are all obviously top shelf playoff contenders, and the other four that are not Georgia may be Georgia's chief competition to make the college football playoffs. So that's all you need to know to understand that Georgia, uh, if it has as good a defensive line as I think it can, as many of you think it can, then Georgia could be in really good shape here for the season. And one of the reasons why I would say that Georgia's defensive line is probably better than maybe what Lindy's magazine or other media types might be noticing right now is because I really think this might be a group this year that's capable of doing at a very high level both of the things that that good defensive lines are supposed to be able to do. First of all, Georgia's been about the best rush defense in the country, not about. They probably have been the best rush defense in the country for the last two years. That's a big deal. And really, I think it speaks to one of the coaching points, one of the ways in which Kirby Smart, in his still early days, as Georgia's head coach, has put his stamp on this program. And you look at kind of where this team might have been early 2018 or, you know, even, you know, we'll go back before that a little bit with Georgia, but certainly in some of those early days of 2018, this team was giving up a lot of rushing yards. Think about the loss to LSU in 2018. How easily the Tigers kind of kind of ran the ball on Georgia there that day. Well, Kirby Smart, and I've played this audio for you before, went to one of those coaching clinics and he's a little bit more candid in kind of a coaching clinic setting. He's saying things in kind of a more open way than he might with the media. But what he said in one of these clinics that kind of leaked out on the Internet, I think really speaks to the transformation the Georgia defensive line has undergone and why this stands as, I believe, better than fifth best in the country when it comes to defensive line here this year. The way in which that that smart went about turning Georgia into an elite run stopping defense and the fruits of that still bearing here for the 2021 season. Here's a reminder from Kirby Smart coaching clinic from the past
1: all right, we want to be a good team. We want to win a national championship. What do we have to do defensively? So it has nothing to do with offense. you got to score points on offense. We all know that. But eight of the last ten national championships at that point had been in the top 15 in rushing defense. You go back, we weren't. We were 31st. So we knew we had to find a way to move ourselves up in rushing defense. All right? You're probably sitting there thinking that football has become a pass-first game now, and you're right. It has become a, fa- a pass-first game. So why is Coach Smart talking about the foundations of Georgia run defense if football is a pass-first game? The better you're at, at stopping the run, the more guys you can commit to the pass. <laughs> that's why it matters.
0: So, listen, I think that's well said by Kirby Smart and probably uh, a very true thing there as well. And, yes, a lot of us and on this show, we do this a-, a good bit there as well. We talk about you know the need to be – you know, great with your passing attack and how the sport is changing and evolving. But as Smart kind of alludes to there, it hasn't changed that much. You still want a great defensive line. You still want to be great against the run. The five defensive lines I just mentioned a moment ago are all national championship contenders. That's who has great defensive lines. You know, six and six teams don't typically have much in the way of a great defensive line. And as much as your championship success will be determined by how many points you score and how good your offense is, just ask any coach in the SEC, hey, You want to play a team that's virtually impossible to run against? SEC coaches don't want to do that because they know, as Kirby Smart also alluded to there that the job of scoring points and throwing the ball is way way harder when you have been rendered one dimensional because of your inability to to you know to to run the to to run the ball. I think what Smart says right there is really true even if I'm obviously of the mindset that the modern sports about, you know, uh scoring points and throwing touchdown things along those lines, it hasn't changed so much that what Smart didn't describe right there, it, 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 that's still 100% true I would believe. But when it comes to the Georgia defensive line, it's more than just being great against the run, something that Georgia's clearly been the last two years. You also get the sense, based on some what we saw last year, that this group is also evolving from a pass rush standpoint there as well. And one of the most interesting things that Smart said during spring practice was the idea that as Georgia looks to replace a guy like Azizo Gellari, second round pick of the New York Giants, moving on to the NFL, how those stats are replaced, It certainly sounds like Smart's looking at his defensive line to help bolster some of that. Mentioning Trayvon Walker by name as a guy who would slip in there and and now be able to provide some of that pass rush in that situation. And... If you don't believe me on that, take Trayvon Walker in his own words here because he absolutely sees for Georgia for this upcoming season a unit that goes beyond just being good at what it's been good at the past, but now evolving to also be a dynamic threat from the pass rush standpoint there as well. This really good stuff from Trayvon Walker. Listen to this.
1: One thing that we've always been focused on because we always looked at it as a run-stopping defensive line or a defense. Uh, our pass rush really don't get noticed like that a lot of the times, and that's something that we're prided on right now and trying to get out of. It.
0: I love that, man. I'm telling you right now, Trayvon Walker saying, hey, we've been good at stopping the run before, but we're about to be also good from a pass rush standpoint there as well. I think that's incredibly valuable. And when you think about Walker, whose words matter to me, Kirby Smart, the way he's described things in the past, when you think about these guys talking about their belief what the Georgia defensive line can be this season, I got to tell you, I think it has a far better chance of being uh, something way better than fifth best in the country. As good as Clemson, as good as Alabama, as good as Ohio State, we'll see when those games get played, but certainly better than uh, virtually almost anybody else in the country is going to be able to provide. If Georgia does this season, end of season goals, making the playoff, truly competing for a national championship, if Georgia truly is heading in that direction, I think most UGA fans would say they expect to be the defensive line play to be a big reason why. My name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. We're presented today by Harris Cherokee Casino Resort, and we're glad to have you with us no matter how you get to us today, live on video, 10 a.m., Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch. I say live. It's actually not live. It's pre-recorded, but uh, we're normally live, and we're always here for you, and we're glad to be able to do that. Looking forward to being back on the radio again on Athens Sports Radio 960, The Ref, when my vacation week is done, and of course, uh, all the various podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify, Google, just however you get to us today. I really appreciate you being here. And a big thanks to our friends at Harris Cherokee Casino Resort for making it all possible. You know, it's a short getaway. I'm enjoying vacation this week. Many of you are looking forward to your own vacation. And When you're thinking about making plans to go road tripping and having a good time, Harris Cherokee Casino Resort's a great destination to keep in mind. Whether it's the original Harris Cherokee Casino Resort or Harris Cherokee Valley River, great dining options when you go there, wonderful shopping experience. Of course, it's a luxurious, relaxing spa. Who doesn't like that? The casino gaming floor is so much fun. There's all kinds of entertainment options available for you there. Plus, the sports book is now open too. So, sports gaming there in the gorgeous mountains of Western North Carolina, just a great, great experience. So, make sure you take advantage of that. Harris Cherokee Casino Resort or Harris Cherokee Valley River. Website to find out more about this, it's Caesars.com slash Harris Cherokee. That website, once again, is Caesars.com slash Harris Cherokee. That'll get you in touch with Harris Cherokee Casino. Resort. All right. On our show today, some fun stuff to come. It's Mike Griffith on the program. We will kind of get into Mike. Really, it's the next two days. We're lucky to have Mike on both Wednesday and Thursday of this week. And you heard last Thursday on the show Terrence Edwards. We kind of started this with him a little bit of a position by position look at Georgia. He talked wide receivers. John Stinchcomb did offensive line with us on Monday. We were uh, very fortunate to have Connor Riley discuss the Georgia defense with us yesterday. And it's Mike today. We'll do quarterbacks. Tomorrow he's going to come back. We'll do running back wide receiver a kind of a deep look at the georgia skill position really good stuff to get us all ready for the rest of the summer and the upcoming start of the season which will be here before you know it we'll do that with mike griffith here in just a moment before that though let's go around the doghouse here today and there is something that has kind of been on my mind as of late and i guess when georgia has such a big season opening game it's hard not to think about that game a lot and so i've been thinking about this a little bit lately that for georgia One of the big questions that will have to be answered when it plays against Clemson to start the season, because that's a huge test in a way that most of the rest of the season just does not expect to be quite the same level of test, Uh, that Georgia-Clemson game is such a huge test. And one of the things we'll find out pretty quickly is, does Georgia have the kind of wide receiver play that is required to win a national championship? And the George Pickens injury makes that an even more crucial question for UGA. But ponder something with me just for a minute and tell me if you kind of arrive at the same point that I do. For those of you that follow this stuff closely, many of you do, most of you do. For those of you that follow this stuff closely, would you not agree that Clemson right now has a little bit of an unanswered question to address when it comes to its own wide receiver situation? And is there a chance that's also a factor in the storyline that determines the game? against Georgia on September 4th to start the year. Now, that may not quite seem so true because, let's face it, Clemson does have a better offensive reputation. They've had good quarterbacks now multiple years. Deshaun Watson, first-round pick, gives way to Trevor Lawrence, a first-round pick. Those great quarterbacks have thrown to very productive wide receivers in all those years. There is a Clemson reputation that's no doubt ahead of Georgia's offensive reputation, but sometimes reputations can be misleading. And sometimes I think we can be left to assume that Clemson's going to be great at wide receiver because they always have been at least in the recent years of the Dabo Sweeney era and I'm not saying they're not going to be because the honest truth is they've plugged and played enough that you assume that the next guys kind of waiting in the wings here are also going to be really good too but they I would suggest are not incredibly proven at the receiver position right now so I tried to do a little research on this and I dug up an interview this is within the last few days that Clemson wide receiver Uh, Excuse me, Clemson offensive coordinator Tony Elliott gave on the ACC network. There is an ACC network. I don't have it in my home. It's not on my TV, but some of you do. Uh, Tony Elliott's on the ACC network on the. uh, the, the West Durham and uh, Mark Packer show, that's their morning uh, show that's there on the ACC network. And he kind of gave some of his thoughts at the time on what he thought the Clemson wide receiver situation looks like. And it's not a surprise to you, probably, that Elliott's actually pretty confident about this group. This is Tony Elliott from the ACC network.
1: Definitely, you know, wide receiver. Uh, you you look, look at what we were able to accomplish last year, and you, know, you tip your hat to, to Cornell and Amari for carrying the load. But you got Engada, you got Latson, you got the potential of Ross coming back. So that's a ton of depth. Uh, all those guys have played their experience, and then you throw in EJ. Uh, uh, Joe has made another another stride, and then these two freshmen mm. that uh, that we signed uh, are going to be phenomenal. So feel really, really good about the uh, the competitive depth at receiver.
0: I don't doubt that that's true. I mean, if you had to the safer bet, would probably be say that it would be true. But go with me on a quick journey here for a moment. You heard the names that uh, that Elliot mentioned there. He talks about Amari Rodgers and Cornell Powell, the two leading receivers for Clemson a year ago, both seniors. They are now gone. The number three receiver for Clemson a year ago was Travis Etienne. He had 588 yards. Remember, all of these stats come in a short season, so there's a little bit of a different you know, you know statistical benchmark that you achieve there, but he's gone there as well. Uh, he mentioned Frank Latson. Latson is expected to be a big-time receiver for Clemson here this year, but Latson last season just had 281 receiving yards, only had 18 catches. That's not a huge level of experience. He was banged up with a little bit of an injury there. Chosen Nagata, also a big-time player there as well, but he had just 83 yards receiving a year ago. Obviously, the big storyline here is Justin Ross, who you do expect to come back. In fact, by the time you hear this show from when it's being pre-recorded, he may even get some you know official full medical clearance. There may be an announcement coming for for Justin Ross on that here really soon and obviously Ross was great with Clemson but he also dealt with a health issue a year ago so make sure you hear what I'm saying here for a moment and don't hear what I'm not saying I'm not telling you that Clemson's going to be bad at wide receiver but the scenario that I just described to me sounds like a group that's not incredibly proven much the same way that George is not incredibly proven now if you want to make a safer bet and safer play on Clemson because of how good their offense has been in recent years I might join you in saying the same thing that that they've got a track record to speak of here But it's not... Proven right now that this group is going to be as good as previous wide receiver groups for Clemson have been. So, maybe in a little interesting comparisons, we head towards that September 4th matchup to start the year for the Georgia Bulldogs and the Clemson Tigers. Before we get Mike Griffith and as we wrap up around the doghouse here today, let me also give a quick shout out to my friends at Pella Window and Door of Georgia, equipping your house with energy efficient windows and doors. It keeps the inside inside, the outside outside. That's what you want uh, this time of year. Also, great savings there as well. I love what they're offering right now 10% off your entire project, which is a big deal or 0% APR for 24 months. That, a very big deal there as well. Very easy to get in touch with. If you're watching on video, you see it on your screen. 678-638-1496. The number, once again, 678-638-1496, or visit PellaOfGA.com slash dognation. That's PellaOfGA.com slash dognation. All right, before we're done, Another look at some of the anonymous coaches as quoted by Athlon Sports are saying about some of those SEC teams ahead of the upcoming year. Really good insight into some of the top foes for Georgia around the league and just some good gossip there as well. So we'll do some of that. But first, for a deep dive at the Georgia quarterbacks, the outlook for JT Daniels and everything else, let's talk to Mike Griffith as a part of Dog Nation Daily presented by Harris Cherokee Casino Resort. (music) From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a dognation.com insight. And, of course, here on a Wednesday on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Harris Cherokee Casino Resort, it's great to have a chance to speak to Dog Nation's Mike Griffith. Now, as we're doing this, I am on a beach somewhere, undisclosed location, enjoying myself but it's important for us to deliver that content to you and keep the uh, Georgia conversation going I believe we have Mr. Griffith ready to go right now Mike welcome into a Dog Nation Daily presented by Harris Cherokee Casino Resort today and certainly thanks for spending a little time with us on what is a pre-recorded edition of our show and of course we'll look forward to speaking back to you again live uh, next week but thanks for being with us here today hope you're doing well you. it's Good to have you with us here today, Mike. I certainly appreciate that. So, I, I told actually, before we get into this, I, I told our audience on, I think it was either video or podcast of the day, they were chiding me a little bit because they say that I don't let Jeff exchange morning pleasantries when he joins me on Friday. And that is probably true. I kind of jumped right in and started asking him questions. But the one thing that I said is, it's amazing of our sort of weekly guests, the people who show up each and every week from our Dog Nation team, how different the morning pleasantries they want to exchange are. You just gave me kind of a short and to the point morning BA, which is fine. It's absolutely within your rights to do that. You don't have to give more than that. If I gave Jeff the opportunity, his good morning back to me would last about 45 seconds. It is interesting how different some of the morning pleasantries are when it comes to the various members of our dog nation team here
1: yeah it is no
0: doubt about it well i am uh, glad to have you with us and we're kind of doing a thing as i'm on vacation here this week where we're looking at some kind of season preview type content looking ahead to the team that we're all i think enjoying seeing on the field here this fall and exactly what we can expect to see from that team and for our conversation here today I want to spend some time talking Georgia quarterbacks for a moment obviously what's going to happen with JT Daniels but even what's going to happen beyond that as well for Georgia at that position here this year but let me begin though with the man of the hour for the dogs Daniels a big reason why Georgia's is showing up as prominently as they are in so much of the preseason chatter for playoff contention and everything else that goes along with that what is your outlook for JT right now knowing that you had a chance to you know kind of visit with his uh, folks out there in california a little bit you saw you know people that daniels kind of grew, uh, grew up with what are you thinking about jt now based on what you've been hearing over the course of the last few weeks and just how good do you think he can be for georgia this upcoming season
1: yeah i feel like jt's locked and loaded you know i mean that's kind of the takeaway i mean this is a guy that's a student of the game that you know uh, backs up all the talk with action i mean he wasn't just out there uh you know, for the fun in the sun, I mean, he was out there with, uh, you know, Jordan Palmer, uh, one of the most renowned quarterback coaches that works with a lot of NFL quarterbacks. And and uh, he was there to polish and sharpen his game. And then, he, and then he was right back at Georgia, you know, for the start of workouts uh, a couple weeks ago. And so I, I think that JT is a student of the game. I think he's a very talented quarterback. I think we all saw the mobility has improved in the spring from where it was last year. I don't think the year is nearly as much an issue. What the 2020 season? Uh, a guy that can make all the throws, a guy that uh, has found a great team chemistry. I really can't say enough about him uh, in terms of my optimism for JT's abilities and team chemistry and the way he fits in Todd Monk's scheme.
0: You mentioned improved mobility, and certainly that seems to be the case, as would be expected. Now more time removed from the injury that he suffered that took him off the field in 2019. Do you think that Daniel's health, obviously assuming something new doesn't happen, which you, know, you couldn't certainly predict one way or another, but based on the, the previous injury, the one that he was still recovering from last year that held him off the field as long as it did for Georgia a year ago, do you think that story involving JT's health is still a factor in the discussion about him in 2021 at all, or do you think in Daniel's mind he has completely moved off of the injury that kept him off the field for a portion of last season?
1: Yeah, I think he's moved on. You know, I, again, I think he's moved on and moved past it. And, you know, I think the biggest concern is, is keeping him from getting injured again. You know, uh, uh, we're here to talk about the quarterbacks, but I think in the lurking in the back of our minds sure. is, is what's going to happen at left tackle. But, but you know, part of that too, uh, ba, when we talk about JT and, and his ability to adapt and adjust, one of the things he's had to learn is how quickly you got to get rid of the ball in the SEC. Uh, you know, the, the SEC. Uh, DNs, they, they move a lot faster than what he was accustomed to in the Pac 12. He's said that. Um, you know, some of the throws that, you know, he didn't think that maybe he'd have to audible from because he thought he had time for, uh, he's learned, no, no, you need to, you need to check down quickly, uh, because these guys in the SEC come at you fast off the edge. And so he's had to adjust his game a little bit, uh, to the SEC to account for those fierce pass rushers. Uh, we, we saw JT Daniels get hit a lot. At the end of last, he had great success. Great success, completing sixty-seven percent of his passes with ten touchdowns and two interceptions. But we saw him take some shots against Mississippi State and Missouri, uh, even a couple against Cincinnati. Uh, shots that that I didn't see Jake Plown take over three years. So uh, I don't know what that says about the line or Fran's ability to get rid of the ball versus JT. But but JT cannot take those shots for the duration of next season and it's back to be upright for a playoff
0: run. So let me ask you this one more about Daniels Then I want to talk about the other quarterbacks here for a moment. So you see Daniels, a former five-star, and the team that Georgia will play to open the season. Clemson also has a former five-star and DJ Uyunglele. And then the team that Georgia might play at the end of the season, the SEC championship or maybe even the college football playoff, uh, Alabama also has a former five-star and, and, and Bryce Young, who's expected to be the starting quarterback there this year. So you have former five stars, these high profile spots. Daniels is the more experienced of the three that I just mentioned. And yet he's also playing in the spot that has had less success at the quarterback position than both Clemson and Alabama have. Both the Tigers and the Crimson Tide have had multiple first round quarterbacks in the college football playoff era alone. So understanding all of that, is it fair to ask Daniels to be better at Georgia this year than Young in Alabama or Young Lele at Clemson given the fact that he's more experienced but he's playing in a spot that just historically has not matched at least in recent years what those other programs have done at the quarterback position
1: yeah it's interesting all three of those quarterbacks also from the same high school league out yep. there in Southern California Bryce Young actually went to the same high school as JT Daniels succeeded him as the quarterback after JT left and uh, DJU was on the rival team. So JT had more high school success than either of those two, more of an apples, uh, apples comparison. You know, I, I think you've got to look around, and you mentioned the, the schemes. I, I'd look at the personnel. I mean, as we talked about, Alabama had some historic success with those receivers last year with Jalen Waddle and Devontae Smith, uh, both first round picks, Najee Harris as well. Uh, does Georgia have two first round receivers and a first round running back? I don't know the answer to that question right now. Uh, Clemson also had a great supporting cast, and, and it was Trevor Lawrence out there. You know, Trevor, the first uh, overall pick. I don't know that I think JT's the first overall pick. Uh, I think there's some discussion of if he could be a first-round pick, certainly. Uh, Bryce Young playing in a different kind of system. Uh, that's more of an apples and oranges. You know, that they're, they're going to run more RPO. So uh, from a statistical standpoint, I don't know how we're going to compare Bryce to J.T., because Bryce is a little bit more of a runner. Uh, DJ, though, isn't a comparable system. Uh, Clemson may be, uh, you know, more youth at the receiver position, although I believe Ross is back. Uh, but they have a big hole to fill with Travis Etienne having moved on. Um, you know, if we're looking at it from a statistical standpoint, um, you know, JT plays a lot tougher competition than DJ does in the, in the ACC versus JT in the SEC. And, and yet still, I think at the end of the day, um, I think JT will probably have numbers that are comparable to DJs in terms of passing yardage uh, and in terms of pass completion percentage. Uh, but, again, Bryce playing in that RPO system, I'm, I'm just not sure what Alabama's going to look like. It, it, ultimately, Brandon, I don't know if we're, you know, the stats are one thing. But what it comes down to, to me, is who can lead the team to a championship. Sure. And I like JT's chances uh, just as good, if not better, than either of those two quarterbacks this season.
0: Let me uh, finish with this. We talk about obviously about JT Daniels, the expected starter for Georgia at quarterback, not the expected starter. He is the starting quarterback for Georgia quarterback. But beyond that, you know, you look at talented guys like Carson Beck and a five-star arrival like Brock Vandegrift and a guy in Stetson Bennett who I think has some value because he started SEC games for Georgia before. I think as you move through the season, virtually anything can happen for Georgia at quarterback. But in the early portion of the season against Clemson or the week after that you know, once you're beyond the Clemson game if you had to assume who the number two quarterback is going to be in the early portion of the season who would you uh, suggest that would be and how do you see the quarterback situation after Daniels working out for the remainder of the season
1: yeah that's interesting Um, you know Stetson Bennett's got a lot of game experience and you know really the only game he lost really lost was the Alabama game you know, when he exited, now you could you could say the Florida game, but I said, well, now, wait a minute. Uh, you know, they were up 14 to zero when he suffered that uh, sprained shoulder joint. Um, now he came back, but he obviously wasn't affected. I can't put that loss on Stetson Bennett against Florida. I just can't. He technically he was the starter, but he got forced out. I, I put that as much on uh, inability to run the football. Um, you know, they went they went through, you know three and out, four out of five series. I, I would put that largely on the running game. Uh, Duan Mathis inability to come in and, and establish any sort of a rhythm. Um, obviously the defense had some breakdowns as well. Don't want to relive that game too much. But I, I don't put it all on Stetson Bennett. They were up fourteen zero when he was healthy and left the game in the first quarter. So it, it's not like Stetson, uh, despite, you know, some of his more obvious limitations, is a bad quarterback. He's a seasoned guy, he's been in the heat of the battle and, and I think he's your I think he's your reliever uh, in an immediate situation. Um, you know, if, if uh, something unforeseen uh, and very unfortunate were to happen in, ter- in terms of a season-ending injury, uh, depending on what portion of the year and what George's record would be, um, you know, I think Carson back would, would be the long-term answer to the season. Uh, but if you're still playing for a uh, you know, championship, if you're seeing a close game, I, I think Stetson's the stopper because he's been in the heat of the action. I think, you know, to be fair to Carson, remember, we're, we're really – dealing with a guy that really hadn't played much. I don't know, what, he take one or two snaps and kneel on the ball maybe or hand off a few times against South Carolina perhaps. Might um, have thrown one pass. You know, He would need the benefit of a week of a game plan. He wouldn't be a guy you'd bring in first. Uh, that would be Stetson in my mind. Um, now, Carson has advanced a lot, so I could be wrong. I mean, I thought he showed everyone that he made tremendous strides in the offseason. I thought he looked really good in the G-Day game. I was really impressed with his arm strength. His mobility. I uh, like the way that he moved around in the pocket as well. So I, I think it would depend on the scenario, and it would depend on uh, Carson's continued progress. But I would say early on that Stetson Bennett is your stopper. But if you're just looking to get somebody some reps and garbage time, um, you know I think you give Stetson, you give Carson a few snaps.
0: Mike, it's always great to have you here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Harris Cherokee Casino Resort. We actually have a special privilege this week, a chance to hear from you again tomorrow as we continue our kind of preseason preview of the Georgia Bulldogs. We'll look at running backs, we'll look at wide receivers. We'll do with that with you tomorrow here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Harris Cherokee Casino Resort. Mike, I'll look forward to doing that with you then. I'm all about the special privileges. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Fruit. An interesting statement about the Alabama Crimson Tide here coming up in just a moment. But as we roll on, on our program here today, let me remind you about my friends at secondchance.law. I love what they do for our audience, what they've done from so many people around the state of Georgia. The law sometimes can be confusing, but having someone who understands the intricacies of the law can be really valuable. For many of you, you've got this like thing in your past. Some aspect of your criminal history that you wish that you could get rid of. And the good news is there are laws now in the state of Georgia that actually make that a possibility to at least get it restricted off your record so that your opportunities for better jobs, better living situations, things like that are improved. SecondChance.law knows all about this and they put together an online quiz that when you answer those questions, you can determine your eligibility for this program. So it's free to do the online quiz. And then after that, you can kind of take the next steps as instructed. Just check out the website, secondchance.law. That's secondchance.law. You can learn all about this. We love our friends over at secondchance.law because they've been with us here for Dog Nation Daily for a long time, listening to the program and everything else. Also, former Red Coat, one of the partners is. Two-time graduate of the University of Georgia. That's good stuff. Easy to recommend. Secondchance.law for more on that. So we have on this show, our pre-recorded vacation shows, been looking at some anonymous coach quotes from Athlon Sports in their sec preview magazine because of a couple things first of all it just kind of makes for fun content as we're pre-recording some shows for vacation but i think it also kind of gives you a pretty good capsule of maybe a larger opinion about these teams it's a good conversation starter to pay attention to some of what the anonymous coaches are saying here i want to share with you the alabama crimson tide for a moment this the anonymous coach math Athlon sports wondering if bama might have a slightly different identity here for this upcoming season, maybe going back to the roots here just a little bit. Let me read this to you from Athlon Sports here in regards to Alabama. Coach I mean the anonymous coach saying that based on what they lose on the offense, and that's obviously Mac Jones and Devontae Smith, coordinator Steve Sarkeesian, the injured receiver from a year ago, Jalen Waddle too, all kinds of names you can mention. Based on what they lose on offense, maybe this is the year where the defense is more the identity. This, a coach quoted at Athlon Sports, and I find this to be interesting for two reasons. First of all, you know Nick Saban would love that. Now, Saban has been a willing participant in the evolution of his own program, matching more the kind of in vogue offensive style that exists much around the rest of college football. He has joined the fray in all of that, even though at one point in time he made it sound like, I'm talking about going back years ago, that was something he did not want to do, but now he's embraced that as much as anybody and has explained publicly many times as to why he's done that. But if they could swing it back the other direction and be a team this year known more for defense than offense, no matter how much Saban has embraced the offensive philosophy that's dominating the sport right now publicly, privately, you know he would really enjoy that. We don't know how many years he's got left, he just you know, signed a contract extension here uh within the last you know few days that would seemingly keep him in place in Tuscaloosa for a little bit longer we certainly understand all of that but one way or another he's closer to the end of his career than he is the beginning and these final years of his career if he could produce an Alabama team that has a great defense once again you know he would really enjoy the chance to be able to do that the other thing that kind of comes to mind here and this is something that our producer Connor Riley has brought up to us before Are we sure that the offensive explosion that has come to define college football over the last few years, are we sure that's just going to continue unabated again in 2021? That if Alabama, as this anonymous coach is saying, could be a team known more for its defense than its offense, is that possibly a little bit of a signal that maybe college football itself is taking a step back in the defensive direction there as well? I mean, We see this all the time with, like, economies. I'm not going to be, like, an an economist here for a moment, but there's always a series of sort of expansion and contraction and things like that. And, you know, things have a tendency to self-correct when they kind of get overheated one way or another. You know, have we seen a little bit of, you know, kind of offensive inflation the last couple of years and we're just kind of due for a, a little bit of a market correction this year? I wouldn't expect there to be much of that, but the way in which, you know, As recently as 2017, the national champion of that year, Alabama, averaged less than 40 points a game. But then in like, you know, 2018, 2019, 2020, we go from like 42 to 45 to to 48 points a game Uh, in terms of, you know, what it takes to win a national championship. The idea that you might kind of veer back more towards what it was, you know, prior to the 2018 season, maybe that's at least a possibility. One more anonymous coach quote I want to read to you here, this one about one of Georgia's SEC East foes the Kentucky Wildcats, a team that's starting to develop a little bit of a reputation defensively. Uh, This anonymous coach calls Brad White one of the best coordinators in the country. That's the Kentucky defensive coordinator. And he says Wildcats could be pretty salty again this year. It's their identity. They're mean, physical, and have a really smart secondary and a great pass rush. And it seems like you know for as much success as like Mark Stoops has had and some of this has come in recruiting a lot of the like the four-star guys have been like their offensive line things like that some of the guys who've gone to become pretty good pass rushers for Kentucky haven't always been elite recruits but somehow Stoops and 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 the rest of that staff they were able to kind of turn them into as the anonymous coach says they're a pretty salty defense it is kind of interesting how that identity has been pretty well established for the Wildcats including from that anonymous coach right there so um so I guess worth paying attention to when the dogs take on the Wildcats again later on this year for now we'll make that your SEC through and so we'll keep those anonymous coach quotes going over the course of the next couple of days I think that's just a really good way to get some insight into what's going on with some of these sec teams kind of fun to do that we'll do a few more of those tomorrow uh by the way speaking of having fun our golden shoe we're taking a little bit of a hiatus from that just because you know i'm not here right now to kind of collect the golden shoes on the daily basis but we'll be back to giving out new ones of those again again on monday so keep sending your submissions in and we'll try to get some of those out as we kind of uh, start the new week next week one thing we will continue to do gator hater countdown because around here even when i'm kind of relaxing and enjoying the fun and sun i'm still thinking about those lousy stinking gators and still got revenge on my mind georgia looking to get back in the wind column against florida they will do that 136 days from right now that is our gator hater countdown this is dog nation daily presented by harris Cherokee casino resort thanks for being with us we'll look forward to seeing you back here again tomorrow and on video, time now for the R.S. Andrews podcast, Cool Down. Hope you're enjoying the vacation week of shows here this week, and I certainly appreciate you being a part of this. I should also say, and on podcast as well. Normally we do a separate video and podcast cool down. For this week, we're kind of doing them together just because it just makes a little bit more sense. So we'll we'll get you guys back separated again next week. But for now, it's great to be able to take a lot of these uh, comments with all of you. And it's been nice to have the folks in the Dog Nation Forum kind of helping me out here in bolstering our comment section. I've gotten some really good stuff there from the forum that we're kind of using using as sort of our fodder for the cool down here this week. Really good stuff. And speaking of really good stuff, check out our friends at RS Andrews online at rsandrews.com. They will get your air conditioning unit, that tired unit that you know is kind of on its last leg. They'll get a little more life in it that they can potentially do that for you. They'll breathe it in there for you with their $99 mega tune-up. Get your system back to factory fresh specs, and that's a good thing. So trust them. Check them out today online, rsandrews.com. All right. A couple of comments here. Very, very quick. And then we'll get rolling after that. And of course, I'll be looking forward to getting back and doing all this with you live again next week there as well. So Matt MD writes into the forum at forum.dognation.com and says, looking ahead at the schedule, George will face at least three new head coaches. He says, South Carolina, tennessee and auburn what's the approach to scheming for a game against a coach in a system you've not really seen before that's a really good question you'd also ask add clark lee in that uh from vanderbilt to the extent that you care about vanderbilt to the extent that you can assume they'll even show up for the game given what happened last year it's actually four first year coaches that georgia slated to play and obviously that's a little bit different because in the case of like say shane beamer at south carolina he's bringing in an entirely different offense than what mike bobo ran last year and uh, he's not been a head coach before, so you might say, what's well, it's a little harder to kind of figure out what he's doing on film, although by the time that Georgia plays South Carolina, they will have played a couple of games. Brian Harson's a guy that has a long track record at Boise State. Mike Bobo is obviously a guy that not only Kirby Smart knows well, but was in the SEC last year, so you maybe get a little bit of an idea from a film standpoint what they might be trying to do, and then Josh Heupel has been both an offensive coordinator in the SEC and obviously a head coach at UCF, so you get got a little bit of a track record on film for him there as well. I think the big though takeaway from what you're bringing up though is that because of the fact that you've got four first-time head coaches on the schedule you've also got SEC games on the schedule against teams that Georgia beat by double digits a year ago, Kentucky and Arkansas and you know kind of on and on you could go. This is a schedule that Georgia really needs to use to its advantage. I mean, make no mistake about this. That in the 2017 season, a year in which Georgia has the one stumbling block against Auburn in November, but got back on its horse after that, won the SEC, made the college football playoff. Georgia was very healthy that year. Georgia had kind of a, you know, obviously a nice run in the postseason that year. Don't discount the value of georgia having an easy run in the sec east as what kind of helps set all that up georgia won all of its sec east games that year by 14 or more points and the same thing in 2018 there as well but in that year of 2017 the blowout wins in the sec east i just think made things a little easier for georgia now you've got tough bookends on the schedule clemson week one whatever happens you hope in the sec championship after that with a little bit of a florida whatever you think about them kind of stuck in the middle but if the rest of the schedule works out the way that it seems like it might, as our commenter describes there, with four first-year coaches, other SEC teams that Georgia kind of handled on the road easily a year ago, this ought to be the kind of schedule that Georgia should do well with and use those easy SEC wins. And Listen, I know I'm getting the cart before the horse a little bit, but just go with me on the hypothetical here for a moment. What you think of as kind of easier SEC wins, using that to – Give yourself a chance to be healthier and more focused and and more energized when you play the games that do truly matter. Uh, Ali uh, W asked the question of will Josh Brooks make a move to upgrade the track facilities in order to keep uh, uh, Petros in place? I think that ship has sailed, I think. I don't think Petros is now coming back. And as far as what the future of the Georgia track facility looks like, you know, I, I guess at some point in time you may see the upgrade that he wanted and maybe the upgrade that Georgia needs there. I think a lot of this, you know, does take place within the larger conversation of all the athletic departments that want better facilities and everything. And, you know, there's an argument to be made for, it. we'll just make all the the athletic facilities pristine, make them all, you know, the top, top, top of the line, top notch. And I guess I certainly understand where Georgia fans kind of come from on that. But this is one of those things that when it comes to that spec towns facility, which is just to the left of the uh, Buttsmere Heritage Hall and just to the side now of the brand new football building that, you know, that's not really been, you know, a hot topic for Georgia in terms of wanting to alter that facility, wanting to upgrade that, and it appears to have cost Georgia Track Coach right now. And so, don't quite know what the future of all that holds. But obviously, that seems to have been kind of a sticking point for Petros that has now, I guess, led him to uh, to move on somewhere else. So, uh, obviously, one of the off-season topics for other UG athletics has kind of gotten some attention there a little bit. One more comment, at least for today, Dog Fan uh, TIP says ketchup on hot dogs sacrilege take it or leave it <laughs> or have to have it for me it depends on the quality of the dog and other valuable toppings and condiments i'll put ketchup on a cheap dog and eat it before i eat it dry so i used to be a big hot dog guy. i used to love hot dogs whatever reason a couple years ago my taste buds completely changed now i won't eat like a classic hot dog i'll eat a bratwurst i'll eat like a smoked sausage i'll eat things like that and i'm not usually looking to do a lot of condiments on those um But like the regular, as you say, kind of like cheap hot dog, I've just kind of gotten away from those a little bit lately. So in the summertime, I love a cased meat on some bun. But for me, that's no longer just the traditional hot dog. That's like bratwurst, smoked sausage, something along those lines. So uh, that's kind of my answer to that. Hey, thanks for being here for R.S. Andrews Cool Down today. Make sure you find R.S. Andrews online, rsandrews.com for your air conditioning, heating, plumbing, electric needs. They'll show up on time. They'll do the work that's promised for the price that's promised. They will take good care of you. We will be back tomorrow with another episode of our program. Good, fun stuff. Thank you for allowing me to enjoy some vacation. Hopefully, you're enjoying what we're doing for you during this vacation week. We will see you here tomorrow. Video at 10 a.m., podcast, whenever you feel like we're listening to it. On Dog Nation Daily, presented by Harris Cherokee Casino Resort. We'll look forward to talking to you then, everybody.